This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Go back with me again to Isaiah 63. We're going to pick up really where we left off on Sunday evening. We were limited in our time. But I want to encourage you to please sincerely be praying for revival. The question that comes to our minds is, how how do I pray for revival? Uh, It's... It's easy to think, well, okay, Lord, help everybody to be right with you. Help, help folks to be willing to obey you. But I think uh, as we study the scriptures, we need to be more specific and let the scriptures encourage us, in fact, to pray for revival. Uh, I took time to look back in the Psalms at the text that, uh, where the psalmist said, Uh, Lord, will you not revive us again? And as I studied that psalm, I was reminded that that is a psalm that was written after the children of Israel returned from captivity. And in fact, the very things that Isaiah prayed for, what we're going to look at again tonight, those actually were answered. God brought them back and God had revived them. Now, it took captivity, it took some hard things, uh, but I believe Isaiah's prayer and the prayers of men like Jeremiah, those prayers were answered. I believe that if we will pray according to the Scripture and the will of God, God will do a mighty work during our week of meetings. Now, I just want to review from our, the PowerPoint and bring us up to uh, where we are going to be tonight. I defined revival for us. Revival begins with us seeing God as he is, then seeing ourselves as he sees us, and purposing to change. And where did we see the support for that definition of revival? It's right in Isaiah chapter 6. Some have referred to it as Isaiah's recommissioning. I believe this is when Isaiah had revival. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. The Lord's train filled the temple. And as he saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. He saw himself as he really was. And then once he was completely right with the Lord, uh, we we noted that that's when he was uh, willing to do whatever God had called him to do. And the Lord said he needed someone. And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. Now what follows uh, was not very encouraging because God said to Isaiah, you're going to preach to people who have eyes they don't see. They have ears they're not going to hear. And as you preach, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but as you preach, uh, their hearts are going to get harder and harder. Uh, Well, why is that? Well, here's a biblical principle that's true of all of us. I quoted for us from John 7, 17, where the Lord told the disciples, if any man will do his will, the Father's will, he shall know of the doctrine. Many Christians will approach the scriptures and, and Lord, uh, you show me and then I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do it. Where the Lord says, if you just have already, if you already have the heart, Lord, I'm going to do it. Now show me. Please show me. 
Lord, here, here am I. And you get the sense from Isaiah, right? Send me. Not, I'm not sure where this is going to lead, but send me. When we have a heart to do his will, we will know the teaching. We'll know the doctrine. And we'll be able to discern whether it's of God. Jesus said, or if I speak of myself, and obviously he was speaking. He only spoke what was from the Father. Uh, but I, 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 we need to be able to discern, is it, is it Mike thinking or is it God speaking? Okay, well, how do I know that? To have a heart that is clean and is willing to say, Lord, whatever you want, send me. I'm willing uh, to go. All right, so those who hear with a heart that purposes to do will clearly understand the teaching. Those who hear with a heart that purposes to debate, well, I'll get back to you on that, God. They will not understand the teaching. All right. And so this is why Jesus spoke in parables. That's what he said to the disciples again in Matthew 13. They asked him, why are you speaking in parables? And we took time to look at that text. We won't go back there again uh, tonight. But as we study uh, Isaiah 63, I think we really do see a clear outline, uh, clear instruction from the Lord on how to pray for revival. And so we're going to pick this up this evening. We need to pray with the prophet Isaiah, Lord, change this specific problem in the hearts of your people. Lord, change them, change the problem in my heart, in our hearts as a church family. You are part of a body, right? So when you pray for those in the body, you're praying for you. God wants to send revival to this body. And so we're praying, Lord, send change to our hearts so that we might hear or fear you, hear you, and then do your will. That needs to be our attitude. So specifically, how do we pray? Go back to verse 15. Isaiah 63, 15, the prophet prayed, Lord, look down from heaven and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and thy glory. All right, Lord, look down. And as we mentioned, we need to pray, Lord, let us see the approval of your face. Now, how do we have God's approval? We have lives that please him. He's the Father in heaven. But the Lord said to Israel, he said, if I be a father, why don't I get honor from you? If I'm father, why don't you do what I say? So look down from heaven and behold from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Lord, for us to have your smile, your approval, we need to be pleasing to you. So as we pray, first of all, praying for revival, we say, Lord, here's the problem. People that hear and hear and hear your word and don't have a heart to obey, they can hear and not hear see and not see, and in fact, the more they hear, the harder they can get. People say, it's a, it's a real problem today. We have young people that grow up in our churches, and then they scatter, and they, they leave church, and they go their own way. 
Well, one of the things that we can do to pray to stop that, prevent that, is to say, Lord, help them to be doers of your word, to have a heart. Lord, you do the work in their heart that they'll just obey whatever you have said because we understand hearing and hearing and hearing and not doing can harden them. Okay? So, Lord, let us see your approval. And we took time to, to discuss that, and I, I'm not going to, uh, I want to move on tonight, but when we read in Scripture, seek the Lord, do you know what that means? Seek his approving presence. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We're seeking his approving presence. He's everywhere present. But we need to draw nigh to him and desire to be pleasing to him. And when we do, we can, in fact, see his smile. Now, that's a liberating truth for the child of God. Uh, we live in a time and our flesh seeks for all kinds of things except for what we should be seeking, which is primarily God's approval. And when you and I seek his approval to be satisfied by him to know no matter what is happening in my day if right now I can look to heaven and know I am right with God and pleasing the Lord even in my mundane tasks even in a commute from point A to point B if right now my life is right with him my heart is clean when I look to heaven I can see his approval and his smile and we ought to just want to live there I remember as a child, uh, and I didn't know to cherish it like I do now, but I, could, I would be doing something, and I'd look over, and there maybe was my mom in the kitchen just watching me, and she was smiling. Now, I knew the other when I looked, and she wasn't smiling. Okay. All right. But, but just, and, and now as a granddad, to watch it, you know, and to, uh, we've got to spend recently some time with grandchildren and, and we've got a little guy named Carter and he'll, he'll be doing something and he'll just look at you and I'm smiling and he'll smile back. Oh, you know, that's good stuff. That's what the Father in Heaven wants with us. All right. So along with Isaiah asking God to let Israel see his approving face again, he also asked for the helping hand of God. Now, these are little phrases, but they're pregnant with meaning. Look at verse 15. Look down from heaven. Behold, from the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory, where is thy zeal and thy strength? Where is thy zeal and thy strength? What Isaiah is praying here is, Lord, show us your mighty strength. Now, we can develop this and see this pretty easily from the text. How could it be that a people who had witnessed God's might in so many ways now be so pathetically weak? If you're reading through your Bible, you're reading through 1 Kings, if you're following the churches, uh, the uh, Bible plan that we gave out at the beginning of the year, how can you go from David and Solomon to Rehoboam? Wow, how, how, can, how can that happen? And, it's, and it gets pathetic. 200 shields of beaten gold. 
and it won't be long, and some enemy comes in and takes them, and, well, now we've got 200 shields of beaten bronze. Awful. Tin. Why? Sin. Sin makes you stupid. It makes you weak. It deprives you of the power of God. And so, Lord, let us see your mighty strength. How is it that they became so weak? Look at chapter uh, 63 and verse 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them, and and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Look at verse 11. Then he remembered the days of old Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? A reference to the Red Sea. Remember what God did there? He split a major body of water. Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name. All right? Where is he? What happened? We'll go back to verse 10. I skipped it on purpose. But they rebelled. They vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. This isn't complicated stuff. God wants to show himself mighty. But if I turn my back on him, start trusting my own might, and I start pursuing wickedness, I will not have his power. Nothing was as clear to Isaiah than this. God was withholding his power from Israel because of sin. The people of God have often heard the world tauntingly say, where is your God? Think about Psalm 42 and verse 3. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now what's sobering about that and convicting to me is that the question is asked by the psalmist to begin with. Are we concerned at all that the world looks at God's people and sees little might? That ought to concern us. In fact, it ought to concern us to the point like the psalmist where we shed tears over it. Things can upset us, but are we upset that the world looks at an impotent church today? That ought, to, that ought to really disturb us. God, help, help our hearts to be disturbed by that. Again, look at verse 10, same, same uh, psalm. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why do we need God's mighty strength as a church so that the world can see his might? The world needs to see his might. Yet it is so much worse when God's people are asking themselves that question. Where's God? We're happy if we can answer skeptics by pointing to present indications of God's power. But we are, uh, what we are to do when, uh, what are we to do when God withholds his power from us and there is no evidence of it to point to? 
Now, let me just pause for a moment and let me thank the Lord that at Good News, we are seeing evidences of his power. We're seeing answers to prayer. We're seeing lives changed. But here's my question tonight. Are you seeing his power changing you? When's the last time God so moved in your life that he did something mighty and specific where you were aware that you have just taken a significant step in spiritual growth? Well, I th- I, God's working, but this is just the way it's got to be. Are you settling for no power? Would you be willing to pray for God's power to do a mighty work in your life during these upcoming meetings? Now, in order for the church to maintain credibility in the world, she has to have God's power. We're involved in a great spiritual warfare. Can you see that? And only God's power will enable us to prevail. Our own ingenuity, our own strength are simply not equal to the task. Trying to do God's work without his power is like trying to break a piece of granite with your bare hands. Try that. It's easy if you're holding a snowball. Piece of granite. Our strength is not equal to the task when it comes to standing for righteousness and being a testimony for the Lord. We have to have his power. Along with praying to see God's approving face, we need to pray for him to show us his mighty power. And if we will get alone and examine our hearts, we'll be driven to admit that the many things that we are producing may actually be cheap and shabby substitutes for the real power of God. And we'll be compelled to cry out to the Lord, Where is the zeal, where is thy zeal and thy strength? That's what Isaiah prayed. Now finally, when we can't see God's smiling face or his power, it moves us to pray as Isaiah did in Isaiah 63, 15. Where is the sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Some of you are like, What is that? Okay. What was the prophet desiring? What was he praying for here? Well, here, let me me explain it, but I'll, I'll give you the point, and then we'll look more closely. Lord, let us know your caring heart again. Let us know your caring heart again. The expression, the sounding of the bowels and of uh, the mercies towards me, it's not talking about a growling stomach, okay? That's not it. It's a common Hebrew expression for the yearning and the compassion of the heart. And you know this. Have you ever witnessed something? Maybe something happened to a young child. Something happened to a small pet. And it's not good. And when it happens, it, you say, it made me sick to my stomach. What is that? You're so moved with compassion and concern, you feel it right here. How many have ever had that happen? Okay, absolutely. 
That's what it's referring to. Isaiah was asking an obvious question. If God turns his face and withholds his strength, does that mean he no longer loves his children? Now, you and I know theologically he always loves us. Okay. But let's be honest. Are there times where you wonder? And again, if we live in such a way where we see his smile and we are experiencing the divine might of our God, and he desires to do that on our behalf for his glory. If, if we're living in spiritual weakness because we're not living in his presence, depending on him, the spirit of God working through us mightily, there are going to be things happen where you wonder, does God really care? As Isaiah thinks about this, he immediately remembers what, that God is still Israel's father. Look at verse 16. Doubtless thou art our father. Though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledges not. What is Isaiah saying? If Abraham and Israel, Jacob, came back right now and looked at us, they'd shake their heads and disown us. They wouldn't recognize us. Abraham and Jacob, their fathers in the flesh, would not be willing to acknowledge them because of their wickedness, but God's name is everlasting. He is unchanging in his nature and character, even though man is unpredictable. Isaiah knew his God would forgive those who would repent, and that knowledge is what encouraged him to pray, Lord, let us know your caring heart. Let us know your caring heart. Now here is a great truth that we should not ignore. God will never stop loving us when we turn from him, but he does withhold the expressions of his love that can make us doubt in order to draw us back to himself. How much better it is for each of us to have to convince ourselves to not have to convince ourselves of God's love. To just stay right with him. To let him have his way with us and to stay clean in our hearts. To so walk with him that his spirit continues to bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and that he loves us dearly. So let's conclude. Isaiah's prayer in chapter 63 teaches us how to pray for revival. And this is, this is what I want you to take away, please, as you pray. We're going to, uh, the, the Saturday night before the revival meetings, we're going to meet here and we're going to pray. But I'm going to ask us to pray specifically these things. We're going to pray at 6.30 every night before the meeting. But please, eat during the day, be asking God to work in your heart. Be asking God to work in the hearts of others and those that you invite. Be prayerful, right, for these meetings. But as we pray, Lord, break stony hearts. Help us to have hearts that are just willing to obey no matter what you show us. And then we'll know the doctrine. You'll come into services and the preacher will preach and you're going to see things and hear things that are, it's just like, whoa, 
wow, is that plain? Is that, is that needed? Lord, thank you for making it so clear. And, and thank you for driving it home to my heart. Right, let's, let's pray that God will give us hearts that way. All right, hearts that maybe have been hardened by a lot of preaching. That God will change those hearts. Make them willing, pliable. But then specifically pray, Lord, give us a heart that desires to see your smile, know your power, and feel your love. Lord, give, give me a heart to want that and to be able to perceive that. There's no greater way to live. And we should be convinced and aware of how terrible it is to lose these things. You all know what a seared conscience is, right? Scripture talks about it. We think, well, that's just that's deep, awful sin that just, it just takes away uh, any sense of guilt. Well, it doesn't start there. It's when we start being dismissive of things that God is trying to get our attention about. Some of us may have to admit that we have lost this, that we are living far below where we should be. If this is the fact in our lives, let's stop and think of the greatness of the things that we are missing from our God. He saved us to fellowship with him. The greatest blessing ever, ever, ever. And we may need some reviving to get us back there. And what does God use? Foolishness of preaching. Thy word is like a hammer that breaks what? The rock in pieces. Father, would you do a mighty work during these upcoming meetings? Lord, help us to be serious to pray. You said if we knock, if we seek, if we ask, you will respond. You'll open. Lord, you'll hear. And Father, we need you. So do a work. Thank you for these meetings, a divine appointment from you. And Father, work in the life of our, in the heart of our evangelist. And then, Lord, do a work here. We love you, but we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.